Welcome to the Six Cells podcast. This is Mike Nicholson from Six Cells. This episode was originally recorded live on LinkedIn in February 2022, and it's the third in a series of podcasts exploring the attention economy. I hope you enjoy it. Today on the Six Cells podcast, we're going to take a deeper dive into impactful creative. Uh, this is a part of a mini series on attention, uh, which kicked off a couple of episodes ago when we interviewed uh, John Waite, who uh, is a global activation director at Havas, uh, and Mike Follett, who, who is the managing director of Lumen Research, the eye tracking technology company. Um, from that in um, conversation, and I have to apologize in advance if my voice goes a little bit croaky, I've got a touch of the man flu. Luckily, I tested negative every day so far, so it's definitely just a bit of uh, seasonal man flu. So sorry if the, the voice gives out on me a few times. Um, you might, may have to do a uh, similar, you may have to do a little dance or something if I, if I, if I lose it completely. Um, yeah, so, we, um, so we, we found five key levers that came out of that conversation that seem to be really important when we look at um, capturing consumer attention to advertising online. Uh, and they were the contextual match between the ads and the content, uh, impactful creative, uh, so the actual uh, creative, viewability, of course, um, an uncluttered environment, um, what Nick Hewitt um, said many years ago now, actually, but uh, perhaps fewer better ads would be better than um, piling them high. And then quality content that delivers a longer engagement, uh, so the, the, the dwell time on any given page. And then we followed up that, um, that initial um, podcast in the series with an interview with Kai Henniguez, who's the CEO of Video Intelligence. And we took a much deeper dive into the power of context in that episode. Um, and I am delighted today to welcome Simon Grist Galchoy. And firstly, Simon, I'm sorry if I didn't pronounce your surname correctly. I'm sure you can pronounce it better for us um, in a moment. Uh, who's the CEO of Adnami. Um, and he's going to talk to us um, a, a little bit more about impactful creative. And we'll take a little bit of a deeper dive into that lever that we've identified as being really important to attention. So, Simon, maybe to kick us off, could you um, pronounce your name correctly? And I apologize once again. Um, and then give us a little introduction to your kind of career to date um, and why um, you launched Adnami and, and what you guys do, please. Yeah, yeah, sure. First of all, thank you very much for having me on the show, Mike. Appreciate it. Uh, I can see you also have a drink to... Uh, to take your the rest of the in yeah. between talking yeah i uh, i had covid uh, about a month ago and uh, i i said after i had it that uh, i would prefer covid over a hard man flu so i i feel for you uh, uh, i had it a month ago as well and i thought if i've got it again so quickly then i'm not going to be happy but uh, luckily so far so yeah. good all right but uh, but uh, also to make it easier for you for the rest of the show then you can just uh, go with simon I'm used to that, so uh, so that okay. that works well. And the surname is Galchoy. Uh, that's probably impossible. That's uh, that's the weird Danish letter with the the O and the dash in the middle. Galchoy. Okay. Thank you. But um, yeah, but um, I'm uh, I'm Simon, and I run uh, run the business called uh, Adnami. We are a creative tech platform uh, specialized in high impact advertising formats. Not a not a media sales network, but we only function as a as a tech vendor, a middle tech layer that sits between SSPs and ad servers and, and DSPs and enable buyers and sellers to um, to simply transact high impact inventory um, with each other through the programmatic pipes. Hope that hope that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. My. Um, you asked for the background as well. I've been been in the industry for for a while uh, since uh, since uh, 
2009, I think it was, when I started out in a Danish uh, video startup called uh, Go Viral at the time. That was uh, one of the first uh, video long-form video distribution uh, platforms got uh, acquired by AOL in 2011. I was not a founder. I was a campaign manager, operations manager at the time. Didn't know what was going out, going on about around me. But it was a uh, it was a good journey, uh, and then I spent uh, spent about five years in AOL and Oath and Verizon, and it had many names uh, during the years. Uh, and then I spent four years in a in a data targeting company, uh, an audience verification company called Audience Project uh, in Copenhagen, pushing uh, pushing them into UK and and Germany. Um, and then I uh, was a late co late co founder to uh, to Anami. Okay. Uh, in in 2019, and that was uh, a number of uh, of circumstances uh, that happened. There was an opportunity, and uh, it was an interesting uh, product uh, at the time where I joined it. It was um, it was an MVP that was built inside a, a the leading programmatic sales house in Denmark called Concept. Uh, so there was a product that worked, but not a business around it, and that's what they uh, they. What I joined the team to to build. So uh, now we are now we're here, from uh, a one-man army. Now we are uh, we just crossed thirty. We have thirty-two now, and five people in London, three in Stockholm, one in Paris. As, as I was just telling you before we yeah. went live, and the rest of us are in uh, Copenhagen. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to sort of um, dig in a little bit to how you see the state of creative in digital advertising and just as a, a bit of context to that um being old as you can probably tell from the gray hairs um i was around in digital media before there was even such a thing as programmatic shock horror uh, in fact in my first job there wasn't even internet so um that's really showing my age now but um it used to be that media planning and buying um would happen with a media owner on a one-to-one -one basis so a media planner or buyer would come to a publisher and they'd do a deal with a single publisher and then they go to the next publisher and do a deal with that publisher so the number of publishers on any one campaign because of the heavy lifting involved um was a lot fewer than it than it might be today um and so publishers seem to get a lot more involved in creating bespoke high impact creatives for their own site because they could because if you were coming to the telegraph or the guardian or um the new york times or wherever you're coming then you were coming there and you were definitely going to sort of be spending money with that site so it didn't seem too onerous to to create a certain size banner or mega banner or interscroller or whatever you know whatever it might have been and there seemed to be i mean i don't know if i'm remembering through rose tinted glasses but um, there seemed to be a lot bigger better more creative ad formats at the time and i'm not um, hating on programmatic or you know it whatsoever but when programmatic came along there was of course a need for uniformity right we now need to have one ad that will work on every site because otherwise you know it's going to screw up our buying um and in mobile famously that was a 320 by 50 and you needed to be able to have one of those and maybe not rich media because not all sites could take rich media and um i i for me it felt like creativity um if we think of those five levers that i mentioned at the beginning it felt a little bit like creativity took a bit of a back seat um we talk about um advertising being about the right message to the right person at the right time um and the right message seemed to be less important um at that stage um 
for that need for sort of very conformant um, universal ad units, if you like. With with that thought in mind, do, do where do you think we are today as it relates to creativity uh, online? And, and would you agree with any of that that I've said, or would you have to take a different view? No, I I don't think me anyone would uh, disagree with what you just said. At least I wouldn't. Uh, you even used the phrase uh, that I that I often that I often use of saying that creativity has taken a taken a back seat for the last decade, mm. where the the passengers on the front seats have been uh, data and algorithms uh, and automation, uh, and we've forgotten really what what advertising what is the what is the essence of advertising. It is about it is about the creative. That is that is something that has been documented a number of times by Nielsen and Google and many other research businesses that the number one driver for advertising effectiveness is the creative that accounts for in digital that accounts for up to 70% according to Google's own uh, uh, own numbers. So if you are an advertiser, if you should focus on only one thing, that would be the thing. Uh, it wouldn't be the data and it wouldn't be the context. It wouldn't be the uh, recency and other elements. It would be the creative. And therefore, it is uh, it is it is a, a very unfortunate situation that we've that we have left that in the back seat, and yeah. we as an industry have uh, forgotten to be creative. We we just we just had we've had so much belief in the wonders of technology and the algorithms and the and the data that we thought it could do the work for us that it could. That, that creativity wasn't important anymore, but it is still important. And I think the the reason for why this has been uh, this is becoming a, a bigger and a bigger topic uh, in the in the in the last uh, 12, 24 months uh, is uh, is because of what is happening in the industry right now with all of the data regulation and the uh, transparency and content framework from from IAB and browser restrictions and iOS. Uh, uh, Apple's uh, release to uh, last summer 14.5, uh, meaning that everyone had the consequence that everyone had to consent uh, once and for all to all apps if they could track and target, if apps could track and target. And not many people are saying yes to that. I think the stat that I saw uh, uh, last, I, last I checked was 6% in the US consented to that. And the consequence of that, is, of that is that you cannot target and track just as effectively on the internet as you could before. Cross-site tracking, uh, attribution tracking, all of that is is out the window. So, as a as a consequence, advertisers are forced to look at alternative strategies to find the same effectiveness points. And data is no longer a, a at least this the, the same targeting data is not available. Data is still there, but you have to look at data in a different perspective. Uh, but what you can look at is the creative. Um, and I think it's, so it's not only what you put into your banner, it's about it's about how do you stand out. That's what advertising is also about. It's about being present. If you're not out there in the market, if you don't get your message in front of some uh, some eyeballs, it won't it won't have an effect, that's for sure. And it's but bizarre, also, programmatic, isn't it? Because actually, it's almost the opposite of standing out. We want something that's going to kind of blend in because it has to be uniformly available on a load of sites. Otherwise, it's going to screw up my buying. And, and so we almost did the opposite of standing out. And I wanted to talk to you about that in a minute. But yeah. of blindness, is there a is there a real sort of proven case study for the fact that if if the banners kind of look roughly the same and they're always in the same place and you come to the site time after time after time that you forget to even look at it anymore because you just know it's going to be there and it, that it's an ad and it and it doesn't catch your eye? 
I think it's many different elements, but but yeah, absolutely, we are our eyes will uh, we are smart people creatures, so so we quickly learn what is an ad and what is not an ad, and what is the. But sometimes we we engage in content and we engage in a lot of content, and sometimes that content is an ad. Uh, so it's also what you what does that ad consist of? Is that content that is relevant to me? It is engaging? Is it uh, is it exciting? Is it entertaining? Um, is it full of humor? Then, then I'll probably engage with it. So it's both about how you appear on the site in the format and on and how does it uh, and the context it sits in. And so I totally agree with the different levers you talked uh, talk, or you mentioned before. But it's also very much about what you put into the ad. Uh, and here we one of the things that we talk to our clients about is that when you choose to uh, tap into the high impact uh, opportunity space, then you also have to remember to to follow up with uh, with great creative it's a little bit like if you you could use the same uh, i like the analogy if you, if you wanted to do a cinema ad uh, or a tv ad you you would probably invest a little bit more because now you really had the full screen and you you have your your prime time opportunity um, so you don't just put a an image and a call to action and a logo in there you you will make an effort mm. and it's the same thing with with high impact try to make an effort then uh, then it works well. We we do a lot of studies. Uh, so with Mike, who uh, who was on the podcast a couple of weeks back, from uh, from Lumen, and we can we can see even even if the high impact formats in general perform a lot higher in terms of attention, it is still very much up to the creative within the format to uh, yeah, to deliver that attention. One thing is getting eyes on. Another thing is uh, getting dwell time and making users uh, engage. And that, that is that that is down to the creative. You can capture attention with the format because it stands out on the site, but you cannot uh, get a user to engage with it if the creative is shit. Yeah, you mentioned Google, and and I think you said that um, up to seventy percent of the effectiveness is down to the creative. Um, Rory Sutherland, um, vice chair at Ogilvy, was on this podcast, um, and he he said that um, he felt that creative had been frozen out of digital, um, and he said that. Um, it's because they, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, um, whoever they are, leave you to decide who who they might have been, have managed to sell digital as a targeting optimization game and a competition between algorithms. Yet even Google say the actual creative is the biggest determinant of success. Um, and it's not really in Google's best interest to say that, is it? Because that's not their sweet spot. Their sweet spot is data and targeting. And uh, so if if even Google are saying that, that, that the creative is important, I mean, it's kind of, kind of common sense, right? It, it, it should be common sense anyway. But I, I've spoken to people that have worked in um, media agencies and if they have felt that so much of the work is done in the planning and buying stage and you almost don't even know what creative is going to show up after that someone will throw some creative in at the last minute your your analogy your analogy of tv ads or cinema ads i think um that certainly wouldn't happen in in tv or cinema the ad would be very central to everything that went on whereas the the ad can almost be an afterthought in digital which um yeah. which is not good right i mean do you have, do you have any sort of war stories or um uh sort of best practices on on how impactful creative i mean firstly how would you define impactful creative i mean i know what i think it means but i'd be interested to know what you think it means but do you have any best practices on on, on how brands should be thinking about that uh yeah i, I think i probably have my uh, my five cents on that uh 
and in in digital uh, in contrast to to cinema uh, or tv where you are you're benched in your sofa or in your in your chair and you're gonna sit there for the, the full duration of of the ad uh, in digital you have to deserve it uh, deserve the attention or fight for it so there's this battle of attention uh, I, I saw a a, a video um, last week with um, a CEO from Dentsu in in US and he said that today we are exposed to between six and ten thousand ads every day and that says a lot so to be one of those that 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 you as a consumer engages and make and take note of is a is a is a really hard uh, hard competition it's a hard game and then on the, on the top of it you have um, you have so much content uh, out there that is also competing for for attention and you have ad bloggers and you as i said before you have you have browsers uh, that is preventing of us from seeing ads so it's it's getting uh, really really fierce out there so in order to uh, so, so we have very little attention span there is not a lot of attention available for for every ad um, and you have to take that into account to answer your question when you are when you are producing your ads for digital. You basically have to capture attention uh, in the first milliseconds, uh, at least the first the first seconds. If you can't do that, you've you've lost the opportunity. Um, so so what you see as the first frame uh, is immensely important if you're talking video, for example. But also what what we see work really well is uh, is really simple things clean clean messages clean pictures clarity in the design uh, not cluttered with uh, with too many words simple uh, a sender who's the who's the message from what's the brand what's the uh, maybe a, a clean image as a as a background a clean call to action as a, and a teaser text with contrast colors uh, light colorful uh, uh, combinations of, of of colors is is good um if you can use uh, emotions, if that 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 can be done both in uh, by using video and but also facial expressions and in, uh, in images and stills, can be uh, can be surprisingly uh, surprisingly effective. Um, audio difficult in uh, difficult in uh, in digital uh, unless you are in in a pre-roll or or yeah uh, addressable TV environment. Um, you as a user will have to turn it on as publishers don't accept audio on by default but one thing that we see work really effectively as an alternative is if you are uh, subtitling uh, the uh, the talk track or the uh, the, the words in the uh, in the video funnily enough that only uh, it was from I think it was from moat and only six percent of online video is sound on um so yeah so subtitles seem like a really good idea yeah <laughs> yeah and it's surprisingly simple to do but not many people do it not many advertisers do it yeah okay um so where do you think we are at the moment so if we take we could we take that journey from pre-programmatic where everything was kind of done by hand if you like to the programmatic years and to the to the day we are now and I, and I believe you said that adnami enable impactful creative um at scale programmatically is that correct did i understand that correctly yeah that's correct yeah so are we in a fairly good place are we still have we still got an awful lot of work to do before we've 
we've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Yeah, we are we just we're just getting started. Uh the whole concept of attention is 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 new. Like they, it's not new. It was a concept that was that the first time someone uh, talked about the attention economy economy was uh, a guy called Herbert Simon in the 1970s who who coined the uh, uh the theory uh, or at least the the foundation for for the theory theory it was it was pretty visionary of a guy in the 70s uh, who who saw this war of attention coming even before we had internet uh, before we had social media before we had mobile devices uh, but he saw that as there was an explosion in the production of content in the 70s uh, he saw but there was not an explosion in the uh, in the amount of attention available in the world because it could only grow with the uh, with the number of people then the the uh, that competition between human attention for for human attention would uh, would increase so that that's where that's where it came from um, so but within and then I think another uh, just not this is not a history lesson but there's another guy who I just uh, I like to mention and mention in this context uh, William Burnback uh, who in the 50s said that if your advertising goes about unnoticed everything else is academic yeah so the point is if you don't if you don't take note of it it doesn't matter uh, you might as well not do it if you don't put your message out there out there you, you might as well not do it and it's ironic that we are now here 70 years later but that statement have not have never been more relevant we really have to take that take back that discussion again he, he was also at that time he was uh being one of the big advertising thinkers who who uh, transformed the way we thought about advertising from something where we would put as much information into our ads uh, and into the heads of consumers because the more information we had available the more ready we would be to make a purchase decision about buying a car buying a house or buying whatever toilet paper mm-hmm. uh, and he changed that to be much more about the creative about simple messages about slogan about uh, st- uh, stylistic uh, images use of images and, and audio etc uh, and it's this we are we sort of at the same uh, um, in, in a similar position now today we're stepping into a uh, into a new uh, era. I think a new a new era for for digital and programmatic uh, data and algorithms uh, have had its days, and I think the at least they've had its decade. And I think the next ten years will be about creativity and and attention. And so back to your question, uh, we are not at all where we need to be because very few are uh, are today in a place where they have any understanding of how much attention they're getting when they're buying different types of formats uh, ironically and this is this is really ironic that the uh, the formats that have the highest viewability which all of the algorithms are optimizing for viewability and price so vcpm and clicks probably but the formats with the highest viewability are also the formats with the lowest attention we simply don't take note of them the little narrow banners that sit out on the right side of the screen that no one sees because it's not where the content is it we We've trained our eyes not to see them. Um, so just understanding the basics of attention. What format should I buy? Should I use video? Should I use stills? Should I use rich media? Uh, and putting that into perspective of, of, of different channels. Should I buy YouTube? Should I buy Facebook? Should I buy uh, Instagram display, high impact? Uh, what placements in display, mobile desktop? All of that. Um, there's huge, huge differences. It's For me, uh, before we started measuring this and documenting this with uh, research companies we just thought as you said before it was in it was intuitive it was almost common sense you could look at it on the screen and you would say well that's a, that's an impressive ad experience 
obviously I want to buy that. And obviously that is a more, that will have a higher impact uh, Impact in terms of, we could see it on clicks, we could, uh, and we could see it on uh, brand impact, but not not in the same sense as when you, we began to measure it with uh, looking at it from the, through an attention lens, uh, where that, that just turned our world around because it was a completely different way of understanding how human beings are really consuming digital ads. And it's the, it's the first metric that is really taking that into account. It's, it's, the click is not about consumption. That's not how most people engage with an ad because it's only 0.1% of people who click an ad. If even that, um, so it's about if we see it or not. Do we dwell on it? Do we spend time with it? Uh, and if you so, if you look at media through the lens of attention, it will completely change your perception of what good looks like in media. And that's why it's so important. And that's why it's so transformational in terms of how we understand, buy, and measure media. Uh, and that and that's the next thing that's going to be one thing is getting people to that level of understanding. And then you begin to wonder, okay, so how do I do this? How do I, how do I, okay, one thing is measuring it. Second, then how do I plan after it? Uh, and that's where we are now also, also as a company. How do we begin to map out how, uh, uh, how different, different formats are performing in terms of attention and in terms of attention CPM? Where do you get your attention points per thousand at the, at the best possible rate? Uh, that also looks very different if you if you look across formats, at, across rich media types, uh, image, video, uh, animations, etc. Very different results. And if you look across the media landscape, different publishers and different placements, very different results again. So, uh, so planning your media after attention is a is also a big opportunity and something that that we as an industry we are not. Uh, I won't say we're we're not we're just beginning to understand it. We're beginning to do it, and we can do it. We know that's the, the direction to uh, to go in, but it will it will be followed up with a lot of cool features and products and modules and uh, and opportunities in the in the months and years and yeah, decade to come. I think. Sure. So we've got a question here. Um, apologies to um, whoever it was that asked the question. It is just literally has come up as a LinkedIn user. Uh, in my interface, so apologies that uh, it's quite an impersonal greeting. But uh, the question was: media and creative agencies are usually so separate. Are there any good ways to get them both aligned on attention as a metric? I guess that goes back to Rory Sutherland's point that um, creative been has been frozen out of the digital uh, digital space. Um, and I think it's true if the creative comes as a as a kind of a, almost like a last thought when all the all the planning and media is done, that's clearly not ideal. So if you've got any ideas on uh, how creative and media agencies can align around attention as a metric? I think, I think attention as a metric is a, is something they can align around. What, what I know they can align around is, is it around create creativity. Because when you are, if you are sitting on a creative agency, you, you didn't educate uh, to become a digital uh, artist or uh, or designer uh, to sit and, and do uh, 320, 320 images and chop down video files uh, so they don't go above uh, uh, Google Chrome's limitation of three megabytes. That's not the that's not why you become an artist in the first place. Uh, what you want to do if you are in a creative agency is you want to be creative. Uh, and if you can facilitate a solution where creative agencies are coming off for a solution where creative agencies can certainly be more creative in the digital space by having uh, what we often say is uh, a great creative that serves a great canvas. Uh, 
uh, or demands a great uh, canvas, then that becomes a different conversation because in that greater canvas, you as a creative agency can also communicate it much more, convey much more powerful uh, brand messages. So I think that's a way for for them to align around the uh, creativity, and I think attention comes next. Um, but it, it, ultimately, it's this it's the same it's the same goal. Mm. Great creativity will be a, is a lever to uh, yeah, to to get more attention at the end of the day. Yeah. What have you um, you mentioned before that um, some of the most viewable ads or the ads with the most viewable scores are the least um, the ones that are looked at the least because they're over way away from the content. What have you uh, what have you learned at Adnami about um, the the um, the link between viewability and um, I'm just going to call it performance. That could be anything, whether that's measuring attention with Lumen or whether that's um, post campaign reports or whether that's click through rate. I don't like click through rate as a, um, a metric necessarily. But what, have you have you seen any correlation between high viewability plus big impact equals better? Um, and, and yeah. a very broad term um, and, and also um, in terms of the clutter on the page in terms of how many ads are there on a page and how does that translate into performance have you got any learnings on that at all summer maybe not on the latter question on the, on the last question but on the uh, on the question about viewability it, it, i think it goes without saying it's such a such a natural uh, point that uh, an ad that cannot be seen is worthless. Yeah, it's it's as simple as that. So if it's not viewable, it's not worth anything. Uh, so viewability goes before attention, and there's a linear relationship between. Well, yeah, no, not, there's not a linear relationship exactly, but you, uh, it, I, I, I maybe it came across uh, in a, in a different way before, but attention I, comes after viewability. Um, yeah, I was not trying to say that uh, viewability is not relevant. It's super relevant. It's crucial uh, to understand also the, the value of media. Uh, but attention is also crucial to understand the, the true value of media, and the two are directly linked together. Yeah. yeah. So, so if, we, if we look at the, the gap then between viewability and attention, so this is the question that came up on the on the podcast with um, uh, Mike Follett and uh, John Waite. And I asked the question, is it fair? Now, what I meant by that is if we uh, are going to measure attentions on formats and ad and creative that sits within a format on a publisher and then give it some sort of viewability score, surely the, the impactful creative that sits or not, the impactful creative or not, as the case may be, that sits within that format is going to make a big difference on whether that, that ad format is given a high attention score or not so could you see a could you see a world where publishers are going to want to get a lot more involved in the creative that's run now um so for fear of um falling foul of attention studies where oh, people don't look at that ad unit because there was just some crap creative basically running that unit does that make sense i feel like i may have rambled on a little bit there but viewability, no, no, and i think that's absolutely the publisher's um responsibility to deliver an ad unit that can be viewed but it's not so clear on whose responsibility is it then to get people to actually view it right is it the creative is it the publisher is it the media planner is it all three i mean it's, it's an interesting one 
I think it's going to be difficult to to get the publishers to take responsibility for the creative. Uh, difficult, uh, and I also think I'll stretch it to say impossible. I don't see that coming. But I think I think that we will see a uh, a shift in the market, or at least some platforms, uh, tech companies uh, in in the market who will begin to to want to trade on attention, on attention CPMs rather than on just sheer volumes of impressions or clicks. And in that equation, the publishers will have a responsibility to make sure they have websites that don't have a lot of clutter, uh, that are loading really quickly, uh, have good user experiences, both both within their content and also with their mix of, uh, of ads. And I do, do agree with your with the conclusion that came out of your previous podcast that it's probably a better uh, a better setup to have less greater ads than lots of lots of lots of small and uh, and uh, small ads that no one takes note of. Okay. Um, yeah. But that's that's going to be exciting. What what the future has in uh, in store for us there? I don't I don't know. So if you had a magic wand and you could change anything for 2022 that didn't happen or didn't happen enough in 2021 as it relates to impactful creative, what would that be? If I had a what, sorry, a magic wand. If you could change one thing in the industry as it relates to um, uh, impactful creative, what would you like to see change? Apart from your stock price. Yeah. Can I can I answer the question in a different way? I, I think I think what we, what we see what we see happening, and uh, this is uh, this is just observations. So uh, don't uh, um, yeah, hold me too much uh, on it. But but we we see a couple couple of trends. Um, display as we know it, I personally believe that that is going to die. Uh, go away i think it's it's become irrelevant uh, i don't i think it's getting harder and harder to document the effect of uh, of standard display advertising we're seeing a massive shift in a, a new category of buyers that is coming into into display and they're coming from the e-commerce uh, industry um, and they are looking even harder at performance and display uh, as we as we know it today i think so I think we will see display becoming moving in two directions, in the more extreme directions. One where it, you're looking for a very clear outcome from the from the creative itself, itself from the ad itself, it can be uh, um, forms that you uh, that you fill out uh, indirectly in the ad. It can be book a test drive. It can be buy a product. So instead of focusing on the click, which no one does, focusing on the 0.1%. But I think we'll begin to focus on the 99.9% of the of the consumer experience of the ad. We want to put the content and the action into the creative itself, um, so closer to the uh, closer to the conversion also because conversion tracking is becoming impossible. So you have to have it sitting right there in the ad. Um, the other thing, the other trend we see is that digital display is bec is becoming more branding than it was. Uh, gone are the days where where branding was something that would happen on TV and uh, digital out of home and, and cinema, and uh, digital was only a, a, a highway for for cheap clicks and performance. Um, now it is 
digital is also branding. You can do so many, so many cool things within the digital channels across formats with video and rich media. Um, so those, those two things are happening. So we're seeing much more brand budgets uh, flowing into digital channels on these high impact units and, and, and video and display as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the amount of time spent on digital now, it, it, it can't just be about direct response, right? It, it has to be about everything because there's so much time being spent there. Um, I agree with that. Do you do you find certain formats? Well, actually, I want to step back a bit. So, so you said you think standard display is going away. So you mean non-rich media, static banners that are just there to drive people through to to a purchase? Is that what you mean by standard display? Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, and very, and very by, by virtue of um, rich media and above, if you like, is just so um, available now that there's no point in doing standard display. Is that why you think it's going away? I think it's going away because you you are you begin to because of the challenges with tracking and targeting. So mm. I think it's coming and it's irrelevant as a as a uh, as a hardcore performance uh, uh, channel. So I think the performance part will be. Uh, you would have to squeeze it into into the creative at least. So it's, uh, there's a there's a shift in the way we're producing creatives, where we have to do something about the performance elements and make these creatives work even harder for us. Mm. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. So it's not like display is going completely away, but it's just the way the tactics around using display are changing yeah. uh, into being even more performance driven with hardcore outputs directly from the creative, or being much more branding through video and high impact units. Got it. So just to, um, if there's any other questions, I'm just coming sort of towards the end now, unless there's any other questions, please do put them in the, uh, in the comments. If you have, if you have some <coughs> apologies, I've got only a couple of coughs actually through the whole thing. So I've done better than I thought. Um, I didn't want to cancel it. So um, a couple of months ago, Tom Goodwin wrote on LinkedIn about the state of um, online creative. And he finished off with what I thought was, was, um, a nice couple of sentences that would would fit quite nicely in here so he said um i would love us to get excited about the opportunity we have to make far more interesting effective beautiful advertising to create ad units that are smaller in number greater in impact and more useful to readers what are your thoughts oh can i marry him yeah it's a bit perfect isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, maybe I'll dig out the the link to that post and put it in the um, in, in the comments uh, for the podcast in case anyone wants to read it. He, he, he talks. Uh, that's the basically that's the summary, uh, but it's a it's a well written post. Uh, Simon, any final thoughts from you before um, I say uh, good afternoon to you? No, I think we've been uh, through it. We've covered uh, covered the questions and the topics topics of the day. Also, we've spent forty minutes so. It's probably what people can endure on a Thursday afternoon. Yeah. So thank, thanks to everyone who listened in, and thanks for a good show, Mike. Really appreciate it. I think you're going, you're doing an awesome job. Keep it keep it going. Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. So so this will be available on demand on LinkedIn. This um, video recording, uh, the audio version of the Six Cells podcast is available on Apple, Google, Spotify, Anchor, and many other platforms as well. Um, that will be available as an audio recording probably early next week. Um, if you've got any uh, follow-up questions that I can connect um, with Simon, please do let us know um, in the comments. We can we can always um, tag Simon and, and get some follow-up questions, I'm sure. Um, but sure. thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. If uh, indeed you are listening on the uh, the audio only 
podcast. Uh, and we'll see you again soon.